1: we like, they said they found child porn on the computer here at the, at the, at the the Oh my God. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, they said you downloaded it. I'm like, who's that? What? No. Like, that's insane. And he's like, you sick mother. And I hang up on him and I'm like, what the 17? And I'm like, what the fuck is happening?
2: Bro. My anxiety is going through the fucking (laughs) roof right now. (laughs) Bro in five four three two one what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the genius brain podcast i am your host david so if you guys have not listened to the genius brain podcast before you are in for a fucking treat (laughs) i always start off with an f-bomb because everybody's like why do you always curse and i tell you mind your fucking nuts bitch I curse because I love it and I love you very much. Today, we have a guest. It's my buddy, Brian Perry, boxing coach. (laughs) If you haven't been following me on Instagram, I've been training with Brian, um, boxing here and there, uh, beginning back in the boxing. And I know Brian for, how long have I known you now? Six
1: years, seven?
2: It's been a hot minute, dude.
1: I think, yeah, like, um, well, maybe five, maybe five years. Five
2: years. It's been a good, it's been a good second. It's been a long time.
1: I want to say it was, yeah, it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Like a couple years before that. Maybe like 2018 is when I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So four years, I guess.
2: Yeah. Brian met me when I literally just started trying to kickbox. Yeah. Like for the, for the very first time. Yeah. And it was a, a new experience. So he's literally seen me since day one till now. And yeah. it's been a very, very long journey. So maybe it's been four years. Yeah. Maybe, yeah four about years. four years. Yeah. Yeah. Four.
1: The I mean, because it has been crazy.
2: Yeah, because I was training for about a year pretty seriously, you know, yes. just trying to get the motions. And then the second year was just having fun. Yeah.
1: And then pandemic happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. do <laughs> I feel like, it was just, it's feel, honestly, it feels like so much longer. But, yeah. But that just, I feel like that just makes your development that much more impressive.
2: Man, it's been, it's been, it's been fun, man. I think like the development wise has been easier once I started to just, the funny thing is, I think I got better when I stopped taking it so damn seriously.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah I think I have I've had that experience too because it's like I think just like with anything when it moves from art to like obligation it just kills the fun for it and the fun any kind of art martial art drawing singing whatever if you lose the fun it just becomes so regimented and your creativity goes away and that's the point
2: yeah you know a lot of people too when when we talk about you know boxing and kickboxing I'm not saying I'm fucking good or anything like that but he is (laughs) The idea behind it is like everybody thinks they have to be great at something the moment they start it.
1: Oh, totally.
2: And they get embarrassed if they're not good. It's like, yeah. bitch, you just started. Yeah,
1: for real. You're for not real.
2: supposed to be good. Not everybody's a fucking John Jones learning how to kickbox on YouTube. Exactly. You know, yeah. these people are anomalies. Yeah. And, I, and I feel sometimes sad for, for young people when they feel this pressure to be excellent at everything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be excellent at everything, sometimes you just have to enjoy the process. Yeah. Right. Some of the Absolutely. best, you know, when we, when I first started kickboxing and boxing, I think some of the stuff that I got frustrated at was what became something that I enjoyed the most. Like, mm-hmm. for example, um, just throwing a, a cross correctly, Yeah. you know, and then when you finally get it right, that process was so enjoyable and it made it so worth it. Yeah. And you know, when, when I get DMS a lot, it's like, Hey, I want to get into boxing. How do I start? Mm-hmm. You go to class and you start.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I, that that's the thing though, right? Is that like you, like you have to be cool with being bad as shit. If you're going to get good at anything mm. like, and I think that's what it is. It's not even that you have to, like, I think if you prioritize learning over anything else, I think that's a huge, that's a huge bump in like, as far as your, um, like your perseverance, like your willingness to go through the shittiness. Mm-hmm. If your goal is just to learn, right. And not like knock someone out your, your first day or, beat up everyone in the room or be able to throw a 360 kick if you're just down to learn and you keep that you you'll never hit a plateau where you feel like you're you're sucking or it's bad because that's not even that wasn't even your reasoning in the first place
2: yeah and some i think one of the hardest things that um for me was i was so scared to get hit because mm. i felt that if i got touched or i got hit i wasn't good yeah. 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 Which yep. is a. I've totally been there. And it's a huge fallacy because every fighter gets hit, no matter how good you are. It yep. does not matter.
1: <laughs> you're you're in the rain. You're yeah. gonna get wet. Yeah. Yeah, period, yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. No. And then that's the thing. And honestly, that was a just in my own development as a martial artist. That was a huge thing for me because I would do that all the time, and it honestly got worse. The better people told me I was getting, it got worse. That mindset of like, mm. because then it's like, then you go into like sparring, right? You go into the room knowing who are the good guys who are intermediate, maybe who are beginner. And you immediately go like, that beginner shouldn't touch me. The intermediate guy should hit me this much. And then the guys are to my level, fine. It's cool if they hit me. And that's not even the point, right? Yeah, The point is to just do the thing. And the more you do the thing, the better you'll get. But I totally know where you're coming from as far as, and at the end of the day, that, that's what makes you get hit more, right? It's because yeah. then you get hit and now you're in your head. And so I, I think that's
2: what stunted my growth the most was mm. that I would just, let's say somebody hasn't trained as long as me and they would touch me. Yeah. And then I would get disappointed in myself as a how can I let this person even lay a, lay a single punch on me? Yeah. But we're tech sparring. He's, going to touch me yes <laughs> you know yes and even if we weren't and we were full-on going out most likely he's still going to touch me totally it just is what it, i said touching people are like what, is they, what are they talking about
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know <laughs> but you know it's funny because i think like for you you know when anybody first sees you they they don't they don't think much of you right no. because every time Never. somebody sees somebody a bigger guy they go oh this is free lunch. Yeah, all day. Yeah. And that's, it's it's so crazy too. Like when I see you move, because, well, number one too, you're a very like soft-spoken, very kind human being. Thank you. And so I don't expect somebody to you to punch me in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, Brian's gonna be, and then I remember I have a video clip of it in my Instagram of mm-hmm. when it's, it's, just, it's so funny. We're kickboxing, right? And I used to be very kick heavy at the time. Yeah, because I was very Taekwondo and I didn't know how to use my hands very well. And so this I low kick him and I hit him with the body kick. And then we, we, we gain distance. And then out of nowhere, I get a triple jab to my face and I don't know what happened. And and I look over to Nick and Nick goes, you're still fighting. (laughs) You're still going. Yeah. I just didn't know what happened. I'm like, did I just get hit? Yeah. It was literally three jabs to my face. (laughs) And I look over and I say, what just happened? What just happened? (laughs) Right. You know? yeah how did you how did you get into to boxing and kickboxing
1: um you know honestly i like i had been interested in martial arts as a kid um i actually took taekwondo from like age four to six um and then we ended up my family and i moved away like to the other side of town so we never had a car so that wasn't like a relevant thing and then but i was always had interest in it and like even before i had joined a gym when i was 20 i had friends who could afford to train one friend, one friend in particular who like Over the years, became a black belt in Taekwondo, then started taking Muay Thai. We would just spar in the park and Mm. he would just whoop my ass. And it was hilarious because he was like this small, like 115 pound, like white boy, but he had years of training and I'm just, just me. And he would just whoop my ass in the park. And that was my training. That was my training. Um, But like, uh, I think what really pushed me was um, when I was 20 years old, my mom passed away and- What the, up until that point, my mindset was fighting's cool, but it's not realistic. Like I don't, I was always, I was a really, really big guy then. Never really athletically inclined. So I was like, my path is to go to school, get a job, take care of my mom. So then when she passed away in the moment, I was just like, well, fuck it. Like, I don't have any reason to do anything else now. Like I'll just do this. But I think what it really was, was uh, me just like coping, just coping with the loss. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And then. You know, I didn't I grew up without a pops. So it gave me a positive male figure who just only said encouraging things to me. It gave me like a community of guys, which was something I wasn't accustomed to because I was raised around predominantly all women. So it gave me a community of guys who were, were all, we all we all in there for the same goal, same mission. Um, so it just it gave me a lot of things that I just hadn't had up until that point. It was perfect.
2: Yeah, and you know like mm-hmm. As long as I've known you, I've never really gotten to know you that personally until recently, right? Sure. I mean, obviously, because we were training and punching each other in the face. You know, <laughs>
1: yeah. there wasn't it's like… personalish, personal-ish, but… Yeah, you know, there, <laughs> there, there
2: wasn't like these one-on-one conversations like I've had with Nick and everybody else. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, your personal life story is fucking nuts to me. It's it's fucking crazy. Yeah. All, and, and And I say this because, you know, I see you as a person and as a human being… And I don't think I would have ever realized how harsh your background was growing up mm-hmm. because you seem very well put together.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I've seen, you know, growing where I grew up too with people who had your same story, but they didn't turn out the way you did. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's it's kind of like this, this, this story of like perseverance. And so when I when you when you talk about your family, you kind of glazed over it like losing your mom and your father not being around. Mm-hmm. But kind of like the sequence of what happened is very interesting. And I think people's personal stories are also very important to to kind of know. Yeah. Um, Because so many times I see on the internet and kind of just in general with not even young people, adults now too, like Mm -hmm. people in our age group, millennials, Mm -hmm. who kind of don't go outside their box to hear other people's story. And it's not to say that when you hear what other people go through to kind of minimize or be dismissive of what you're personally going through, but it gives you perspective. Yeah. Yeah, right? totally. And so when you talked about your story and how you grew up, like it, it kind of blew my fucking mind. Mm. So that's why, you know, I, I think it'd be great if you just kind of tell people like what you've been through and kind of where you're at
1: now. Yeah, totally. So, and then to touch on what you said about how your perspective of me kind of like never made you think I had gone through what I had gone through. It's funny because like growing up, um, like during that period in like the years kind of immediately after my mom had passed away and I was like, as I was progressing, I would hear I would get the comment a lot where it's like you know you could have ended up in a totally different way or doing totally different things and you didn't, and that's like impressive and I just never that never really like sunk with me because in my mind I'm like I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do um but yeah, so basically uh man, um really it, uh, things kind of like took a downturn, so i lived it so I lived in Pasadena uh with my whole family, which was at the like My mom, my mom and I lived in a back house. And then my aunt and my uncle and my cousins lived in the front house. And that was cool. That was like from age uh, four to 11. And then we lost that house. And that's where things kind of like took a downturn family. Like our family kind of like broke apart. Um, There was drama that I just couldn't really grasp at the time because I think I was too young. So my mom and I ended up living in a motel. Because uh, she had tried to um, put a down payment on like, you know, those mobile homes, like the homes you build on a lot. And they were essentially what she told me was they're like, well, they can't give me the loan because even though I make enough money, I'm an only parent. And if I get sick, I can't pay the payment. There's not enough collateral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had none. We didn't own anything. Um, We'd like been renters our whole lives or my whole life. So we ended up in the motel and things still weren't too bad, but then um, kind of around the time we got into the motel, my mom was diagnosed with type two diabetes and she had probably actually had it for a long time, but her body was just accustomed to such high blood sugar. The doctor, when she, when she got diagnosed, he was like, you should be in a diabetic coma. Like these numbers are insane. Oh shit. Yeah. It was, I mean, I don't want to say the wrong number cause I don't know the ranges, but it, but it was, was bad. Crazy high, crazy yeah. high. Um, you know, and so we were like, okay, but for me, nothing really changed on the surface. My mom was just taking insulin and eating different. And you know, she was a bigger lady. And then over the course of a year, she lost something like 160 pounds. Holy shit. Yeah. She went from being like close to 300 to like 110 or something like that. Like a small, small, small lady. Like I'd never, I didn't, I barely recognized her. My mom had been chunky like me my whole life. Yeah. And I guess at the time they didn't recognize that like that was a thing that can happen to you um, when you're type two diabetic. I don't know the exact reason why, but I've heard about it now that like, yeah, that's, that can happen when your blood levels get crazy high. So they thought she had some kind of like rare form of blood cancer and it was all this stuff. Right. And I think the, if I had like, if I have any regret about how I was like the year she was getting sicker and sicker, it was like, and I look back at it now and I was becoming sort of like resentful and emotionally shut down. And I think it's because, the power dynamic was shifting to where, you know, my mom, you know, there was a point where she had cataracts in both eyes and was like blind. She was blind for like three months until she was able to get the cataracts taken out. Wow. So I just like had to be home to like walk her around. And like, like it was just my mom, my whole life had been like my sole provider. And she was like this strong, almost like invincible type person. And then to see her kind of like wither away and become like this really like Sick dependent person. It was like fucking with me bad. And I'm, you know, I'm going through all this when I'm 17, 18. Um, And, you know, like, uh, you know, there was a time where she was in the hospital and she would, she had been there overnight. It was like the first time she'd ever like went for something real serious. And I was at a card shop in a magic tournament, you know, magic, the gathering. And, and like, I, I just, I sucked at that game. I sucked at it. And I'm in this tournament and I'm like beating this guy. I'm winning. And I'm like, yes. And then I get a call from, from uh, my mom. And so I'm like, oh shit. So I answer and she's like, I need you to come get me from the hospital. Like they just discharged me. And at this time we didn't have a car. Um, I'm in Pasadena. She's at the Kaiser on sunset in downtown LA. Oh wow. So I had to like catch the train, go get her and then escort her back. And I got mad. I got mad. And you know, in that moment I'm like, ah, like i'm about to beat this guy (laughs) yeah yeah, you know and i have to leave like this sucks and like and i I felt shitty about that for a long time but i think what it was is it was what i mentioned earlier it was just the the dynamic was shifting and i wasn't used to having a mom that like needed me to like take care of her in that way i
2: mean you weren't ready to be a parent no you know i think that's the hard part too and this is what i'm talking about like you, you know you're you had to grow up fast yeah and it was kind of honestly sudden oh yeah and when you're a kid you're not prepared to take care of your parents right mm-hmm. because your mom your dad your father whoever your guardian is to, you know it's weird like you know that there's a finite time that these people are going to be alive of course but it doesn't really register Oh. <gasps> You know, you treat them as if they're going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these small things that feels like an inconvenience to you, it only feels that way because you're like, oh, mom and dad are going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why are they doing this to me? Yeah. And, you know, you're super young right now. I mean, you're playing magic. game, yeah, You're playing your card. Just like, damn, I have to go ahead and take care of this one when she's supposed to be taking care of me. Yeah. And it's it's hard to really think about these things too, because, you know, those those things too, like I try not to beat myself up about that stuff too, because of how, I used to, you know, treat my parents when I used to get upset about stupid things. For sure. But that comes with age. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they did the same to their parents, you know.
1: Yeah, totally. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so basically um kind of when things were coming to when things were getting like real bad like coming to a head, um you know, her job had like laid her off <clears throat> I want to say like 3 years before she was getting really sick cuz they took like the part of her she was working in some kind of like manufacturing like uh, for catheters and mm-hmm. uh, for Johnson & Johnson. And they took her wing of like the company and and put it in Mexico for cheaper work. And so because that happened before she retired, she had like another year of pay and benefits. And then her benefits went away. We had like no medical coverage. And uh, she had developed um, an ulcer in her stomach, like a bleeding ulcer. Jesus. Yeah, and so, like, you know, when you're diabetic, your blood doesn't really clot that well, if at all. And so she was basically, like, come to find out after, she was just, like, slowly, very slowly bleeding out uh, internally. And um, I I think at the time, it was just like, oh, she's just tired. She sleeps all the time. She's sick. But, like, we got past it before. We'll get past it this time. And then, uh, you know, sleeping in the motel, there was just one bed. So we shared a bed and, uh, I was going to go for a run. Cause this was like, I was like tired of being fat. I want to get in shape, all this stuff. And I started running and I'm like, all right, mom, I'm going for a run. And like, she just like, didn't really respond and something fell off. So then like, I kind of instantly panic and I put like my ear to her body. I don't hear her breathing. There's no like chest fall of like the breath, like the rise and fall yeah, of the yeah, chest. Yeah. I call nine one one and I'm just like spiraling, like just panicking. And how old are you at this time? 20. Jesus. Yeah. 20 years old. And, um, I like try and turn her over and the firefighters get there and they like, they attach the, um, the AED and it's the, there's not even any vital signs coming back into it. And then, and everything happened like super fast. Like, uh, they contacted the local mortuary. Um, and I watched them wrap my mom's body up in like this white sheet and take it. And uh, yeah, I just uncontrollably cried for the rest of the day. <laughs> how did you deal with that shit? Like, I don't how, think. Like, I, how do you deal with that? I don't think I did. I yeah. don't think I did. Um, I just, I signed up. I signed up for boxing. um, And I fell into this really re- regimented schedule. So. Um, a friend of mine who lived in Burbank, his family took me in because I wasn't working at the time because because my mom was so sick. And uh, it was like the perfect schedule for someone who didn't want to think about what was going on. So since they lived in Burbank and I didn't have a car and I worked in Pasadena, um, I would come into Pasadena with them at seven in the morning, work my job nine to five, go to the gym, train from six to eight, catch the bus home. And that was it Monday through Friday for like two years. Um, and it was like, it was perfect for not facing any of my shit. And I think the reality of how depressed I was came in when I stopped working in Pasadena and started working in Burbank. So then I was never in Pasadena. So then my training became really, um, irregular for the first time ever. And I would just like all my way home from work almost every night I would stop by the store, get a box of either like bite-sized brownies or Oreos and like a half gallon of milk and then just stay up till four in the morning playing EverQuest 2.
2: Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
1: <Jeez. And just laughs> eating fucking an entire container of Oreos and drinking a half gallon of milk.
2: So so what happened with your living situation after your mom your mom passed away and you're there cuz you guys were living in a motel. Did you would you stay just stay in the
1: motel? No, so um I had friends. So basically I called I called one friend, and they called other people and like five or six of my friends showed up and uh they were there with me and um my friend Gabriel, his mom, uh, offered to just take me in and, like, give me a place to live while I, like, got on my feet and got a job. So I was living in Burbank. I lived in Burbank for almost two years. Okay. Um, and, yeah, that was uh, – during that time, I think that was, like, when I was the most – it was the most apparent that I was, like, super depressed. Like, I'm, like, a super – I'm, like, a really social, like, outgoing kind of guy. Not that at all. Like, I just wanted to be in my room. Like work, work was like just sort of a a thing I just went to do. I didn't have any feeling about the job one way or another. And it was weird. Like, so, you know, you know me, like I, I crack jokes a lot, right? Yeah. And I found myself doing that almost like automatically. Like, even though like inside I was feeling pretty like hollow and empty. Okay. So here's a story. (laughs) So the day, the day my mom dies, we all go to my friend Matt's house, um, like a mile away, and we're playing Street Fighter, uh, Capcom versus SNK2 on PlayStation 2. And normally I was the guy that would give everybody the work, everybody, mm-hmm. right? And so obviously for clear reasons, I wasn't very focused that day. And so I get beat, you know, bad. <laughs> and I go, come on, man, my mom just died. You're going to beat me in Street Fighter? <laughs> Oh, shit. And literally everyone in the room is like, uh, uh, <laughs>
2: uh. It's like how are you going to beat me? My mom just died, bro. <laughs> My mom
1: just died, bro. You're not going to let me win? Damn,
2: I would use that shit so much. Like yeah,
1: you know I'm saying?
2: <laughs> like, we just go out to eat. It's like, you're going to make me split this bill, bro? My mom just My died. Mom,
1: yeah, yeah, for like the next six years. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like, bro, it's been 10 years. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I think you, I do you do could do pay it. for the sandwich. Yeah,
1: yeah you, you've been at a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you
2: know, it was interesting when you were telling me a little bit about like your mom's background, too, because you know, I, I've, I've known, like, I have a friend too, whose mom, you know, passed away through, you know, some unfortunate circumstances. Right. And he went through therapy to kind of deal with the situation because I think like he had a lot of like erratic behavior that he never really understood why. Right. And we didn't get it either. And I didn't know his personal story like that. I just knew his mom passed away, but his mom passed away, you know, she got stabbed to death. And, um, that's something else he would never really talk about his mom, whether it was poorly or whether it was positively or not. He just never really spoke about her. Mm. And then we were drinking and we were talking. And then I asked him, I'm like, you know, how was your mom? But because he didn't really get to know her that well. And Mm. I think she passed away when he was like seven or eight years old. And uh, father was never around either. And so uh, his grandmother uh, took care of him. Mm. And I was asking him one day, and this is, we were drinking, we were a little drunk. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I hate her. I was like, oh, shit. Like, why Whoa. do you? Well, I, that kind of threw me off because yeah. he was so young and his mom got taken away through very bad stuff. I was like, why do you hate her? He was like, she left me. I was like, well, she, well she didn't leave you. Like, you know, she was I'm taken. trying to kind of taken away. But what he, after that, I think um, a few years after that, um, he went through some therapy and mm-hmm. then we relinked up. And he was, and he brought up that conversation that we had. He goes, you know, after we had that conversation, like I never told anybody about that shit.
1: Mm. But then him and
2: his girl, when they got together and he's married now, she asked him to go to therapy because he would, whenever he would drink, he would act very violently. And she's like, you need to go to therapy. You need to figure this shit out. And, you know, for, you know, anybody in any culture, like, but, you know, specifically like in black culture, therapy is not, that's not it. Not really. It's not it. Mm -mm. And for him. He wasn't going to go with therapy, but he found a girl that he loved and she gave him an ultimatum It's like, do this therapy thing and find out and he said that he had to come to terms with he felt resentment towards his mom because she he wanted her to be around and he wished that she would have made better choices like uh, if she had made better choices she would still be around and this would have never happened to me
1: Gotcha and
2: so he was holding this like type of resentment toward his mother who passed away wow. he just didn't know how to say it in words yeah you know he just knew that he hated her he didn't know fucking why. Yeah, And it was when he went to therapy he was like I resent her cuz my life would have been different. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, you know his grandma was around
1: mm-hmm. but he got
2: into a lot of fucking trouble because yeah. he didn't know to where to put this anger and he didn't even know how to put it in the fucking words. Right. You know which was kind of crazy. And trauma's then, crazy. You know so for you like when you when you talk about your mom and obviously there was some very unfortunate circumstances that happened too like yeah. what is your thoughts about your mom?
1: I think um as crazy as it sounds I think uh I'm lucky I'm lucky because, um, and whatever, like this perspective might be a little dark, but I think, um, I used to think that I was, um, it just sucked that like, I didn't now at this point I have no parents and my friends and a lot of my friends had parents. And so like, I think I had resentment in that sense when they would like for a long time and anyone would be like, would talk about their mom or talk about mother's day or buying gifts. It would just like, I'd hold it in, but it would like feel shitty. Um, but then it's like on the flip side, I, I also see that I have friends that have parents who are like the key source of their trauma Mm -hmm. and like still cause them emotional pain to this day. Yeah. And that I think like looking at that, it's just like, I just have to be grateful that I had the mom I had. Um, and she got to see me throughout my entire childhood. And that's just, That's just what my story is. So, like, I have to find the gratitude in that. And, you know, again, I feel lucky because my mom was, she was a saint. She just gave and gave and gave and gave and, like, worked herself to the bone. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, my mom, she didn't know she could even be pregnant. So, like, her first husband, she was, or her only husband, she was with him for 15 years until he passed away and didn't get pregnant once. And then she met my dad, uh, like, three or four years after that. Um, Wait, and what 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 age did she get married at? Seventeen. Oh shit. Yeah, man. So my mom's childhood was a trip. I mean, different different time, right? But my mom growing up, um, she was really into she was really into math. She either wanted to be a teacher or a nurse, and both of her parents was like were like, "No, you're just going to get married. Like that's what you do. You're a lady. You're going to get married. Going to find a man and get married." And she somehow, some way like met her husband, John, who, um, she said later, she suspected he lied about his age, about how old he really was. But even when they got together, I think he was in his early thirties. Oh yeah, man. And she thinks that he was in his like early forties. And he just said that he was that much younger, but both of my parents were, they were, they were like into the idea. They like wanted this guy to like marry my mom. So like my mom so my grandparents on my mom's side passed away when she was seventeen and nineteen. Her mom passed away the year she got married, and then her dad passed away two years later. How? My uh, grandma uh, type two diabetes, and then uh-huh. uh, granddad. She it's like uh, She said she just he just kind of let himself go. He was so depressed about his wife dying that he just kind of like laid in bed until he passed away. Oh my side. god, that is so fucking sad. Crazy, crazy. Wow,
2: so your grandma had also had type two diabetes. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah, man.
1: It's fucking wild.
2: Did they pass away around the same age then? I right don't.
1: Now? I don't know. I don't know how old my grandmother was when she passed away.
2: Yeah, because you were you were twenty and she was seventeen.
1: Uh huh. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird cycle, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's strange. It's strange. Like that, The way the timing works out is weird. Um, but uh, yeah. So my mom went from her parents like from her parents to her husband and then from her husband for 15 years until he died from uh pneumonia. Uh, yeah. So my mom, my mom had a, a ton of her own trauma for sure, which is what makes me cherish her even more because there was like looking back, my mom was clearly depressed, but that never stopped her from going to work or providing for me or telling me she loved me or giving me hugs or any of that stuff. So she was, I think that's where I get, I know that's where I get my sort of like built-in perseverance from. I say it's built-in because I don't see it as me persevering. I'm just following my mom's example. I'm just like doing uh, what I know, you know? And that's what she was like, you know? She prioritized me above all else, um, even though I came as a surprise, you know? Because yeah. she was with my pops for a year and then just got pregnant. She, know, she thought she couldn't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. 15 years with that guy and it never happened. Holy shit. And so I don't think my dad thought she could get pregnant either. Oh my God. He was, he was surprised. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey man. Yeah. You got We're having a kid. But you, th- you said, yeah. you know, I don't know what the actual conversation was. I kind of put that together myself later in my life. I was like, wait a minute. If she didn't think she could get pregnant, then my dad definitely didn't think yeah. she could get pregnant, you know? So, um, and you know, he tried like given the kind of guy he was in the life he was living. The first three years he was around and he tried, but he was running the streets, you know, that was his life. He was running the streets, stealing, doing drugs. Um, and it was, you know, and he had his own trauma with his older brother and his parents that like, I never, I had maybe one conversation with my grandmother on my dad's side for my sixth birthday. And that's all I ever heard from her. Um, well, really? Usually the grandma kind of sticks around. She, They're in Texas. They were in Texas. Oh, yeah. That's where my pops was from. He was from Texas. And, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't really have a ton of like, so zero grandparents in my life. My really like, I have my mom, my aunt, my uncle, and my cousins. That was my family. My mom was like the person though I really connected with on like a deep, deep level. Um, what was my original point? So, yeah. So, so my mom didn't even really start like living her life as an independent adult until she was 31, 32. 32, 32 years old.
2: Wait, so, oh, cause she wasn't working or anything at the time when she was with the first husband. He wouldn't let her. Oh, that's some
1: old fashioned, old Old, fashioned shit. Yeah, he literally, like she got a job and he went to the job and told the job that she didn't need the job anymore and to let her go.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find
2: My lovely genius brain farts. This podcast is brought to you by Fume. Ever tried to break a bad habit and felt like you're climbing Everest in flip-flops? Yeah, we've been there too. But here's a breath of fresh air. Fume It's not about giving up. It's about switching up, baby. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. What is Fume, you ask? Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy that makes replacing your bad Habit Easy. I keep one in my car just because I'm a fidgety guy and guess what? I'd be puffing on that delicious herbal tea vapor, my friends. Nothing bad for you in there and definitely, definitely fun to use. My friends, start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash genius and getting the journey packed today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use my code genius to help make starting the good habit that much easier easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash genius to save 10% off the journey pack today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, my friends. Are you dealing with a lot of stress? Well, guess what? There's so many different indicators of it like headaches, teeth grinding, and so much more. Even sleeping too little. Well, guess what? My friends, have you tried therapy? Stress shows up in all kinds of ways and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy and do it with better help because better help is the shit i've been using it for a very long time and they have been a long time sponsor because i really do fuck with them BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress i've been using BetterHelp for a long time my friends and talking to my therapist helps me out i do it two to three times a month and guess what it is a necessity if i'm gonna take care of myself physically i'm gonna take care of myself mentally genius brain listeners get 10 percent off their first month at betterhelp.com slash genius that's b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p.com slash genius yeah wow wild right i'm, I'm the provider what you doing? you're
1: working and shit <laughs> yeah, man. You out here fucking sucking dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, nah, yeah. I'm working. Yeah. Brenda's rib shack, more like Brenda's dick shack. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, god, god damn. damn, that's what the place was called. I'm not that creative. Damn, that's, uh, oh, I
2: was like, oh shit. No, yeah, yeah, it's um, called Brenda's
1: dick shack. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, the only fucking bone you should be sucking is the one
2: right here. Yeah, yeah, bitch. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, <laughs> god get, get your damn. Mouth. Yeah, so it's like she had zero independence from 17 to 32. You know, like none, none like really her whole life up until 32. And so my mom was just kind of like slapping life together herself. And like, from what I, from what I hear, you know, she was kind of the same person that I knew her to be when she had me, which is like just a fun, loving, like kind giving person. She was always that same individual. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's like, I, as I like put all those things together as an adult, I'm like, I don't even know how I like I dealing with one parent's death, let alone two, Three years younger, you know, like that's just, yeah, she, she had all of her own stuff to deal with too. And she was still who she was for me. And also
2: too, just to kind of put into perspective, like she's kind of forced, she was also forced to grow up too, but just at a later age because she was kind of held back by her first husband. Yeah. It's like, so what the fuck are taxes? What are these things? Like, what are the, what are, you know, credit cards, all this other shit. Like she didn't know, she probably didn't know how to do any of that stuff.
1: No. Like she just knew how to work. She knew how to work. And so she got jobs. Yeah, And that was everything, you know? So yeah. Even like finances, like, uh, how all that works. I, I was having, I'm still figuring it out now. Yeah. You know, that was never a conversation growing up. Um, you know, I'm sure that's true for a lot of people. So that's not like an added thing I'm trying to put in there, but just overall, um, I just recognized my mom had her own stuff big time and she did so much for me and tried and tried to like provide for me the best life she could. And, um, I know that that was a regret of hers. She felt like that she didn't do a good enough job, but I think given the given the circumstances, I think she did amazing.
2: You know, I, I I talked about this too in my podcast before, where I um, a lot of people don't understand, and this is not like saying privilege in terms of like systemic or like the political sense, mm-hmm. but there are people who they don't understand that they have a leg up on just some basic shit, and yeah. what I mean by that is that, for example, you're like your mom was forced to grow up at the age of 32 Mm -hmm. and she was held back by her first husband. Right? So the idea is like, Oh, you and I both grew up in the same country. Let's say somebody else. Right. And they go, you have the same opportunities. It's not true. Mm -mm. What is your, what was your life like growing up? Right. What was the, what was your financial status? How was your life?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. The opportunities are there and is there to be accessible. But one of the key things that allows people to be successful is knowledge. Yep. Like, what the fuck's a credit card? How do yeah. I build credit? Yeah. These things aren't talked to people for number one, people who don't have money and just don't know how the system works. Yeah, like for me too, growing up because my parents were immigrants, they don't understand. Oh, I was I'm an immigrant too. Never understood exactly what the whole schooling system is. Mm. Right, like how do how do we fucking MacGyver the shit to make it work for us? Right. What are these? What are these like you know scholarships? What are all this other stuff for? We don't know these things. Right. Right. But there are people who have lived in this country for a very long time who've had like good lives. And they know this stuff. They totally. understand the in and outs of how this education system works. And sometimes when I talk about privilege, it's like, I don't mean it, like I said, I'm, I don't mean it in its like white privilege, black privilege, Asian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the privilege of just kind of like having people who are knowledgeable in your life. Circumstance. Circumstance. Like it really does matter, like in, in the outcome of our lives. Yeah. Right? Because your mom just didn't know. Yeah. Right? And then how, how was she able to teach you these things when she didn't know what was going on either? right? all she knew that I had to work, make money, and make sure that I had food on the table and a roof over my kid's head, and that's her base, yeah, you know, yeah, which is kind of crazy, man, and like for you after so like you know after she passed away, um you you went to go live with your friends like i it, it kind of blows my mind just like how something your mom instilled in you was just her, done by her just being herself,
1: yeah yeah absolutely
2: I mean that's kind of trippy she didn't have to tell you hey no matter what you're going through in your life you still have to make sure that you get these things done yeah right yeah absolutely and you just kind of followed her example there was no word said there was just this is what it is Mm -hmm. which kind of which is which is pretty amazing and I don't think a lot of people understand that too it's like leading by example is one of the the biggest things that you can do for people in your life
1: yeah man
2: right a lot of things don't need to be said and that's why sometimes I get annoyed at um you know, people that I've met, and I see their their Instagram posts, and they they talk a big game. But I know these people personally. Mm. It's like you know, talking your shit is very easy, but you leading by people who are around you and they know you. They know you're full of shit because yeah. you don't ever do the things that you say. Yeah, you just know the right fucking words to say, and those are two fucking different things.
1: A hundred percent. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah, man. I think that like what the 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 perspective that I've gotten about. I think parenting in general, and I don't have kids. So I know I'm like speaking out of my realm, but I think that what I got, here's what I have. I have that the majority of the people I've met in my life, um, have positive things to say about me in one regard or another. And the, the way I was raised was I was given my space and I was hundred percent positive that my mom loved me and that I could go to her with stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That was really, that was really it. Like there wasn't like um, we never really there was like sometimes we would sit down and talk about some stuff about what you'll experience growing up. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't like a a strategy I was given or like, uh, you know, like I I just what I had was um, love and space to be myself. And I felt like I feel like now what that gave me was just a really strong sense of self. And even when it comes to things that I don't know or like sort of like a, people's behaviors that I don't grasp at first, my baseline is to like be compassionate and have empathy. Yeah. Because that's what I saw. And I think with that foundation given to me as a kid, that's kind of allowed me to grow and understand the world around me because there's no entitlement from that place. There's no, there's no sense of I should have because I've, I've literally like had nothing except like a place to live. And so, and I've, and through that, I've recognized that, that you can be in that position and still be a good person. And people will still value you, even if you don't have physical things to give them or favors to do for them. Yeah. And uh, I think that was huge. I think that was huge. And again, that's just another reason why I'm super grateful for the mom that I had, man. And I, I wish more people's mom, I had moms like that, you know, cause yeah.
2: What about you? So your your dad left, you said, when you, how old were you?
1: So this, this is how my pops ended up not coming around. (laughs) 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 So basically um, he was around up until I was three. And then I remember it was kind of like, it was spotty. And then essentially one day he stole our VCR and my mom told me he took it to get it fixed. And then he just like never came back around. (laughs) And I think that was my mom trying to protect me from the reality of my, Pops being a thief. So I, I, so I didn't see him from three until one day he just randomly shows up at our house. while my mom was gone at work when I'm 12 years old and he's like, Hey Brian. And I'm like, dad. <laughs> you so know,
2: you remembered him.
1: Yeah. But he was like, he was really light skinned because he had been in prison. <laughs> oh,
2: he that, was in jail. Okay. So he
1: hadn't been around. Oh my God. because He was in jail. I'm, I'm guessing that whole time or some percentage of that time. So he shows up and I'm like, hey, dad, what's up? And he's like, how you been? Can I come in? And I let him in. And he, um, you know, he takes me to the McDonald's on the street. We get food. We go back to the house. Um, he falls asleep on the couch. And I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going to go to my friend's house. Go to my friend's house. He's not home. Come home. Dad's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, it was the weirdest. It's the weirdest thing. He just like popped up out of nowhere, hung out for an hour and a half, and then he's like, okay, and dipped. And so, obviously, when my mom comes home from work, I'm like, hey, dad came over. And she's like, what, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what you mean? Yeah. Like, he was here and he fell asleep on the couch. And I went to Bob's house and Bob wasn't home. When I came home, he was gone. And so, somehow, she got a hold of him or he got a hold of her. And I found out. Years later that the conversations she had was, um, with him was um, this in and out stuff isn't going to work. So either you're here and you're here or you're not. Um, and he chose not. And so that was the last time I saw him. You know where he's at now? No clue. No idea. Damn, he just up and fucking disappeared. Out. I don't even, he probably doesn't even know my mom is dead. Holy shit. Yeah. I have no idea where he's at. I don't even know if he's alive, really. Yeah. You know, it's that's what? That's 20 years. 20 years since I've seen him. So
2: That's crazy. Yeah, man. Do you have any like resentment towards him or you just never knew him. So it's like, how can I resent somebody? I don't even fucking know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was weird for me because I noticed that he was trying to bond with me in the beginning. But when I look at it for what it is, he was a guy that didn't want kids and ended up with one, you know? Mm. Um, And so he was trying to like connect with me, but he was always super distant. You know, he like let me taste his beer one time. And that was, I think it was a, he had a bottle of old English. Of course. Yeah, yeah. If that's not classic,
2: black- classic hood delight. Yeah,
1: if that's not the blackest Old thing English, I've
2: ever said. Steel reserve. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Little Mickeys. Exactly. You exactly.
1: Yeah. He's like, You want to try this?
2: You want to try this? He's like, Dad, yeah, I'm one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> sure, it's. Well, this doesn't taste like milk and honey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Your mom's like, you really are not a good dad. Yeah. Bounce. He's yeah. like,
1: he just got my two-year-old drunk. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's
2: crazy, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. So he was, that was, that was a weird experience. I'm you know, I've thought about that a lot. Um, you know, because I have uh I've been I've been blessed with some friends that are uh, therapists, actual therapists, and they're I've talked to them about it and they're like, you probably have some trauma around your dad. And I was like, that would make sense. But I don't, I probably just need to go to therapy myself because um, I don't really know what to make of it. You know, I don't know. I don't feel any anger towards him. I mean, as you just heard me say now, it's like, I recognize he wasn't expecting to have a kid. His lifestyle was already kind of shady.
2: Because what would have happened even if he
1: was in your life? You right, know? right. It's like this, this terrible example in your life. No, the guy was a, so check this out, man. So I I have this, I have like this, this weird childhood memory, like a a fragment of it. Um, But my mom told me when I was two, my dad rode motorcycles. And so what he did, his like attempt to like bond with me is, and it's so funny because she tells the story like, it's so like nurturing and fatherly. But what he did was he, two years old, maybe younger, maybe one, because I was like a baby, like an arm baby. He zips me up in the front of his leather jacket. And then drives me to the mountains on his motorcycle. And then like shows me nature as a baby. And I'm like, and back then I was like, oh, that's crazy. How cool. But now I'm like, wait a minute. That's dangerous as fuck. I could have fucking died. (laughs) Hey,
2: you know what? Let me tell you something. If this if, if this was uh the year two thousand, this is where my use of the N word would come out. Yeah, this, yeah, you, know? yeah, yeah you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. that's 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 what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like motherfucker yeah. I mean, It's like hey, came to your mom, guess what I did? <laughs> yeah. I took Brian out to the wilderness. I had him pet a wolf. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, put, I put Brian in the mouth of a wolf. What you think about, me, you now?
1: Think about me now? Like,
2: you still a fucking idiot. What yeah. do you mean?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah exactly. I fed, I fed him some pine cones.
1: Yeah, you know,
2: exactly. You know, that's what I did. Fed him pine cones. You yeah. know, like, yo, you piece of shit. That's it's not what you're supposed to do. No. Maybe and that's just, why your mom gave him an ultimatum. It's like, yeah, you, you like, gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the thing is, like, when you think about, like, the motorcycle crash rate in California is like 100%. And I'm pretty sure know, I know where he went. He went to Angel's Crest. Yeah. Like, yeah, with a baby zipped up in the front Which of his is like leather a jacket. a hella
2: dangerous place to be. Just winding <laughs> roads and shit. It's like, you enjoy that, boy? Yeah. You having fun down there? Yeah. You having fun, little nigga? <laughs> <I know. laughs>
1: That is hella funny. I can't even say words yet. I'm yeah. just like, oh, it's like, you know, oh. all right. Yeah, He <laughs> just
2: like looked at your mom all proud of himself. Yeah, yeah I'm a good dad. She,
1: but then she was impressed by it too. She oh was my like, my are bonding Because the way she told the story. Yeah. She's like, your dad zipped you up in his jacket. You look so cute. And he just drove you to the mountains. And I'm like, like, mom, <laughs> I'm
2: like, that was not okay. What? <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're going a thousand miles an hour. But I heard that story when I'm eight. So I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Ah, dad, if only he stuck around. Like, it's just
2: so fun. That's like him trying.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I, spe- I, I have this like specific memory of him buying me a, uh, he bought a Whopper from Burger King and then cut it in half and let me have half. And I think I was three at the time. So was before I started school, I started kindergarten when I was four. And I remember like arguing with him that I wanted my own whole Whopper. <laughs> And he's like, you can't eat all that. You're just a little boy. <laughs> I'm like, I want my own Whopper. These weird memories, man. These weird memories That's that just crazy. stick out about him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's strange. But again, you know, to your point, I didn't really connect with him because he never really, outside of those, it, he was just like the guy that would come around and like give me food sometimes. You know, like there was. Holy shit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's super strange. It's almost interesting. I feel like it was a bet. It was better that he wasn't around. Yeah, the guy was reckless as shit. Yeah, because your mom was a good example for you. So imagine if he was around and he was your male figure. Oh, I would have been a punk, bro. Yeah, you would have tried to follow in his footsteps. Yeah,
1: and I had a temper when I was a kid too. So yeah, that would have been all bad. That's so crazy. Yeah, man. So it is
2: kind of fortunate. It's it's, it's an unfortunate, fortunate thing that happened (laughs) that your mom drew that line. And it's great that she had that foresight. She goes, this guy is going to be a bad example for my son and he needs to fucking leave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he respected it. He didn't come back around.
2: Yeah, because there's this idea too and there's this argument where, you know, they talk about um, having a two-parent household is like the best for a child. Right. And I think that's very circumstantial here because Fuck yeah, um, imagine if your father was the male figure in your life.
1: Yeah. And
2: do, the, do does anybody believe that that situation would have been better than him not being around? And in my personal opinion, I don't think so.
1: No. You know? I, I mean, I just, it's like, Yeah, that whole, whatever, if you look at it from like a, whatever, sociological or psychological standpoint of like the percentages say when there's two parents, this happens. But like, what about the parents who like both of them just beat the shit out of their kid? Yeah. You know, or like, just don't feed them or like, my dad is emotionally unavailable and my mom is whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, it's the people, right? It's not the presence of the people, it's the people. Yeah. And that's, I mean- my mom was a dope. She was like a dope individual. So it's like that. I don't, I don't feel like I missed out on anything given the parents I was given. Right. Cause it's not like, of course, if you could just imagine yourself with a better dad and then put him in the slot. Bro, your
2: situation is so interesting. Cause it's like, no matter where you turn to, there's some fucked up people in your life. Yeah. <laughs> like no, nobody has your back, dude. It's like, it, I mean, your friends did thank God. You know? So yeah.
1: And that was a, that's a blessing and a half.
2: It's like, what the fuck? Cause you, what, you had your, you had your cousins which you told me, which was a whole other fucking story too, which yeah. is, which is goddamn nuts to me, man. I'm like, what in the fuck? Why is it that these people, like, it's like, they're supposed to be your protection.
1: Yeah. And they keep fucking you over. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. Yeah. So, yeah, just to touch on that. um, It's, you know, it's, it's um, growing up. So I had my Um, I had my two cousins. So my, my female cousin who was, um, my aunt's daughter and then my cousin-in-law who was her husband Mm -hmm. and growing up, um, I always like love, love her. And then him, I just thought he was an asshole. He was just a dick for no reason. I was like, why does this guy live with us? Like, I don't like this guy. And then, um, but it was always kind of like when, when we lost that house in Pasadena, things became a bit tumultuous and, my, my, the female cousin was acting different. Um, her husband just continued to be an asshole. And so I just sort of like distanced myself from them. But then there came a point when I was 17 where my mom was just so burnt out on living in that motel and they had got, they would got, got a hold of a townhouse in Monrovia. And my mom was like, look, they're saying we can come live with them. Like we should just go do it. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good, but like you hate it here. I hate it here. Let's give it a try. And we move in and it was just kind of like downhill from there Um, because, you know, so I'm 17. um, I hadn't finished high school uh, just because, I mean, looking back at it, I think just my mom got sick, like as I was getting into high school, you know, because she had diabetes for eight years. And um, I just like there was nothing there was nothing that could make me give a fuck about that place, given like what my mom was going through and what she was what was happening with her. Um, and so I, you know, I asked her to sign me out. So at the time I wasn't in school, 17, we, we move in with them. They're like, you need to get a job. You need a job. We're going to live here. You need to pay rent. And I was like, fair enough. But I'm like a 17 year old with no job experience and no, no GED, no high school diploma. So everyone's like, why the fuck would we hire you? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't get a job. So then finally my cousin gave me a job as a, well, got me a job as a security guard working under the table. And it started out cool, you know, working a bunch of hours. The money was dope for a seventeen-year-old. You know, I was making like eight hundred bucks a paycheck. was real good. Yeah, it was cool. Eighteen, like seventeen years old. It was, it was fire. You know, and uh, this is these are the this is the kind of people like a window into just how they are. So my cousin, my female cousin, my blood cousin, she goes, "Hey, you know what? Since it's your first job, your first check, you don't have to give us any money. Just keep that and enjoy that." And I'm like, "Really?" She's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Dope." So I go and I get the check and she's like, oh, how does it feel making money? I'm like, it's great. I got 800 bucks. She's like, you got how much? And I was like, 800. She's like, okay, you can pay us. Just like flipped on a dime. Flipped. I'll kill somebody. <laughs> yeah.
2: i legit. I'll kill a motherfucking dude.
1: And so that was, and so that, that kind of continued, man. And like every page. And the crazy thing is this whole time they're getting money from my mom. Granted, they were getting money from my mom before we even moved in with them. And after we lost that place and ended up back in the motel, they were still hitting up my mom for money, constantly, constantly. My mom was giving them money while paying to live in a motel. I will literally cut these people. <laughs> I'm telling you, just like leeches, just leeches, human leeches. I love their kids. I, I love their kids. I like the they have five kids, and I love the hell out of all of them. Um, the two oldest ones are like they're like five and six years younger than me, so they they've been adults but they have three little ones in there. I love them. I love them. I love them. But the, their parents, ugh. so, so things progress. And basically we live there for a year and they continue to take more and more money from my paychecks as I get them. And uh, it kind of comes to like a boiling point when uh, we, so the way we got paid at this company, because it was so small is we had physical time cards we had to keep and you had to fax in your time card to get paid. Mm. And I had misplaced the one I had for that week, and so my check was late. And out of nowhere, they're like, "We need that money. We need that money. If we don't get that money, we can't pay rent." And I you was like, pay "Rent? What you I, mean?" And I was like, "What the?" F-? And I, at the time, I'm like, "That sounds crazy, but I can't question it." you know, like you're getting money from my mom, my aunt at the time, you know. So I'm just like, "What is happening? Like, this is crazy. Like, what's the rent on this townhouse? What are you talking about?" Right, right. And this is uh 2006. You know, in Monrovia. Yeah. 2006, 2005 in Monrovia, like a townhome. That rent was like fucking barely $2,000. Yeah.
2: Probably
1: yeah. like 1800. It was probably less, probably, yeah, probably like 15. Less. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So they're, they're pressing me, they're pressing me, they're pressing me. And by the time I get the check, they get like their eviction notice to get out. And so they're really, they're literally putting it on me that they lost the house. They're like, because we didn't get your check, we couldn't make the rent. And now but you don't get an sale.
2: eviction notice that fast. Fuck no. So they were, they weren't paying for a hot second. They
1: were late, late. So leading up to that point, right. Leading up to that point, they're trying to like, they're trying to get me back. Cause after they, after they lose the place, um, and I still don't know what's, what really is going on. <clears throat> I move out of there. I move in with, um, uh, another friend who lives in Pasadena. And, uh, they're like, oh, well, you still owe us money for that last, whatever, that last time you were here at the, uh, at the townhome. I finally find the pay card. I turned it in. I get the check. I go back to give him the money. And my, at that time, the youngest cousin at the time had just been born. He was like one years old. And I go in and he like walks up to me and her husband like just grabs him away from me. Like, nope. Like, we're not talking to him. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, they just like flipped on me. They just flipped. Like, they, I became their most hated person. And it was, it literally like, I just, it just didn't make sense. I was like, how was it that like my one check was the reason why you guys couldn't pay the rent when there's three adults in this house with incomes? And like, you're counting on a 17 year old's check to make the rent? Like, I just didn't understand. Come to find out, uh, my cousin's husband, years prior when they lived in Riverside, um, had his license suspended and, um, he got pulled over driving my cousin's car with a suspended license. And so he got like this, he got like this $3,000 fine for driving the car on a suspended license and he just didn't pay it. And so he had gotten a notice saying like, look, there's a warrant out for you. You have to pay. It was some crazy amount of money, like maybe seven or $8,000. Like Jesus. Like you need to pay this in, I think it was like 90 days or we're, or there's going to be a warrant out for your arrest and we'll take you to jail. And so that's, that's where like the crunch for the money was coming from. But, um, to sort of, sorry, i like to jump around in the story. So that was there. Right. And so them to get me back after they lose the place, I was scheduled. I was the, um, my cousin-in-law was my relieving security officer. And my shift was overnight. It was 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. And so what he did was on the following shift, he just didn't show up. And and, and this guard company's little. There's like maybe five of us. Yeah. So he just didn't show up. And so I'm calling and I'm like, hey, uh, I call my cousin and I'm like, hey, where's Ricardo at? And she's like, don't worry about him. You just stay there and keep working. You know, because we have, we have to, he needs to be home to help us find a new place since you Since you didn't give us the money. Oh my
2: God. I'm about to sock this bitch (laughs) in her fucking mouth.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. So I'm just like, uh, okay. So then I call. Just
2: gaslighting the fuck out of you.
1: Bro. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like it's nuts. And I'm just kind of in it. And again, I don't know all the details. So I'm still like, fuck man, I fucked up. And so I call our field supervisor, who is my cousin-in-law's younger brother. Um, and I call him and I'm like, hey, Ricardo hasn't showed up for his shift. I don't know what's going on. And he goes, okay, I'll call him and I'll, I'll find out what's going on. And until then, I, I'll come and relieve you, but I can't get there until like five o'clock. And so I've been at this post from 10 p.m. the previous night. And it's now like two in the afternoon. Holy shit. It's, I'm the only guard there, right? <clears throat> so then they, um, uh, they call me back. They call me and they're like, why'd you call, why'd you call uh, Paul? I'm like, well, I was just trying to figure out what was going on. Like, I need someone to relieve me. I can't just be here all day. You know, like I have to come back today for my next shift. And they're like, why'd you, why'd you do that? That's none of his business. That's none of his business. You just stay there. You need to stay there because this is your fault. You did this. And I'm just like, this is fucking crazy. So then I get relieved. Finally, Paul gets there. He relieves me. And at this point, I'm like, I just, I got to get the fuck out of there. I have to move. So. Um, I, uh, this was around the time where I go back, give them the, I go to give them the money. He pulls, he pulls my little baby cousin away from me because he doesn't want him like touching me or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, I guess this is done. And then our boss, our boss, he's like, Hey, why are you working all these extra hours? And I'm like, well, like uh, Ricardo told me, I need to work these extra hours to make up for the money he missed because he has to pay this, whatever. And he's like, I know his financial situation. I've been giving him plenty of hours. Like, I know his situation. I'm paying him enough to take care of his family and take care of that money. Why is he making you work all these hours? And I was like, I don't fucking know. Come to find out, he was buying drugs. Oh
2: my fucking God, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. This shit's giving me anxiety. Bro. I know, I know. And it sucks. You know what sucks about the situation, too? They know your age, they know that you have a certain level of respect for authority for people who are older, they gaslight you to the point where you you just feel guilty. Yeah. You feel like a piece of shit. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're hovering and using this against you constantly because they understand that you're somebody who respects authority. Mm-hmm. So you just go along. And as a young person too, the hardest thing for people to do when they're younger, and even adults, even now I'm teaching some of my friends who are my age, 34 years old, mm-hmm. to set, set boundaries. Yeah, And yeah, making yeah, boundaries yeah. is fucking hard, especially when you're fucking young because you don't even have like your own two feet to, on the floor yet. Right. Solid. Yeah. So you don't know where to set boundaries, mm-hmm. especially when it comes
1: to an adult figure who's supposed to know better than you.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. These people yeah. still like you standing up for yeah. fuck, man.
1: Well, they I mean they're going through their own shit now. Yeah. Um But yeah, man, I mean it was it was just an insane time and then um Yeah, so that whole thing falls apart. I quit that job because like I don't want to work with him anymore. He was going to stay my relieving officer. And so I quit. And then, uh, after I quit, like they, the, the boss and Ricardo, they, well, the boss calls me and he's like, Hey man, we like, they said they found child porn on the computer here at the, at the, at the, in the guard's office. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, they said you downloaded it. I'm like, who's that? What? No. Like, that's insane. And he's like, you sick mother. And I hang up on him and I'm like, what the 17? And I'm like, What? the fuck is happening
2: bro my anxiety is going
1: to the fucking (laughs) roof right now (laughs) bro so then they so then they come over to my house and they they like try this is after i quit they try and like scare tactic me my my boss and my shitty cousin all i can think of is that he was involved in some way yeah but i have no idea it's like out of left field bro so they both come over and they're like like we don't know what's going on here but like we there may be legal action, so just watch out if somebody calls you for information that comes over from me, make sure you give them that information. They come over to my friend's house that I'm living with. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know what the fuck that is. I mean, my mind is like racing, bro. My mind is racing. Yeah,
2: you're seven. Uh, "Dude, these. Okay.
1: <laughs> it's insane. And you like, give me so, a fucking address. I will, I, <laughs> I, I will literally gut these people alive, dude. Dude, it's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. And it's like, all I can think of is it was just like, a reaction to me, like stepping away from that situation, you know? And it's like thinking back to it now, like I, I recognize that they were obviously having some crazy situations in their relationship. Mm-hmm. He was using drugs again. Apparently I didn't see it, but that was just something my mom told me. Mm-hmm. So he was spending all this money on drugs while having to pay off that warrant. And she just didn't want any other family to know about it. And also, during this time, this one year that we lived there, my aunt, my cousin's mom, dies from a stroke, right? Has a stroke in the bathroom. Uh, I come home from work one night, and the bathroom door is just, like, off, you know, because it, like, it opens inward. Mm -hmm. She had her stroke and collapse, and her body was, like, blocking the doorway. And that happened when I was gone at work. So then, that, like, that night, not that night, two nights later, we go to the hospital, and my aunt's just, like, comatose, like, on the on the bed like the you know it's like the brain bleed thing you know yeah 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 so she was just like gone basically she was just on life support and um that was tough for me but obviously way tough for my cousin my aunt was like kind of a, a just a distant person a little bit more cold so i never connected with her as a kid but yeah my my cousin was dealing with all that kind of already an unstable person as it was um clearly yeah <laughs> And then on top of that, you know, she's like, she's like shacked up with this guy who's just like neglecting his family and like buying drugs with this money that he's supposed to be paying off this warrant with. So that was just like a whirlwind of a year. 17 was crazy. 17 was well, insane.
2: So what, what happened with the whole thing with them threatening you and stuff with the whole child porn thing? And Literally nothing. They just wanted to fucking sweat you and
1: make you feel like shit? That's how I know it was bullshit. That's how I know it was fucking crazy because it's just like nothing, nothing happened. No investigator hit me up. No cops came to the of course, house. Well,
2: of course they're not going to do that because they're already running a, an illegal security business because they're paying everybody under the table.
1: Yeah, like, and a sev- they're paying a seventeen-year-old to be a girl.
2: exactly. You would just be like, "Well, I'm seventeen years old, and they're paying me under the table. They're not paying their taxes. Yeah, they would be fucked. Yeah, it's like, hey, you want to play this fucking game? Let's fucking. But you're seventeen. Who would know? That shit. As an adult, you could be like. Cool. I just call the IRS. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'll deal with it. I'm 17. Yeah. I'm young. I'm young. Yeah. Like I'll my, survive. Like I'm 17. My juvie record will be erased when I become an adult. I'm good. I'm good. How like, about you? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 How about you, druggy?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you druggy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, as a 17
2: yeah. year old, you can't do that shit. You don't know enough about this world. Fuck no. Oh Again. my
1: god, dude, that's fucking insane, dude. It was wild. That year was crazy. That year was insane. How the fuck are you alive? <laughs> How are you alive? Just, I don't know, man. Just lucky. Have you kept in contact with them since? So, um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen my, my cousin uh, Rosalind. I've seen her. Um, she, I kind of lost contact with her when. Okay, here's another. Here's another story. So, the the the. Oh my god. The, <laughs> So the final thing that drove the wedge between my cousin and I was um, so when I was 16, no, younger, younger, younger. I was, I was a kid, kid. My mom, through her job, they offered her like a life insurance policy. And so, but I guess at the time the, the person to be made a benefactor, I had to be 16 years old at the time that she made the policy and I wasn't. So she made my cousin the benefactor. And then the idea was when I turned 16, she would switch it over. Um, Well, 16 and on is when she like got sick, started getting sick and sicker and sicker. So it just never came up. I even forgot about it. So then my cousin hits me up. I don't know where she's at because it's been years now since um, we've had contact with her. All I knew is that she had separated from Ricardo. And she hits me up and she's like, hey, I just got a thing in the mail saying your mom passed away. Um, And it was the life insurance thing. Mm. And she was like, um, or I, I called her. I called her and I told her. So she knew my mom died. But then she got the notice from the mom, my mom's company about the life insurance policy. And she was like, oh, if you just send me the death certificate, I'll send you the money. And I was like, okay. So I go. Uh, my friend, my friend's mom drives me. I get the death certificate. I mail it off. And I wait like a couple of weeks. Don't hear anything back. I call her and I'm like, hey, did you get it? And she's like, oh, it still hasn't gotten in the mail. Um, maybe go and like get another one and then send it again. Right? So, <laughs> so then... So then like I'm like okay I'll try but like I I it just I never got around to sending another one. Uh, but I was like maybe it just hasn't gotten there yet. So then I call like uh sometime later, maybe a week or two later, and the number's changed. It like it, it wasn't even like a a ring and then a hang up. It was like this number's not available. Like the the number was just gone. And there no money ever came. And so I just I don't know for a fact that she got the money and kept it but oh she got the money and kept it yeah yeah i mean oh she got the money and kept it that's the only a hundred percent yeah
2: that's the only thing i could deduct I from never it. in my life was so definite that somebody's going to hell <laughs> yeah. never in my life have i been like yeah. i could literally look your cousin in the face and be like damn you're going to hell <laughs> you're going you really going to hell right now you're really going to hell yeah, right that's crazy
1: that's like, crazy like
2: have you prepared hey,
1: it's hot it's hot as fuck it's there. Hot
2: down there. Yeah, <laughs> Like, God damn
1: it, bitch. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. You think Lancaster's yeah. hot, man. I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else. No, 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 no. I'll tell you how hot hell is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, she kept the money. So I just didn't. I was like, just, yeah. At the time, uh, you know, that whole thing went down maybe a few months after my mom had passed away. So I was just like, wow, that happened. Um, and then come to find out years later, like when, when I spoke to her and there's something about me, it's like when it comes to, that was just such a monumentous thing that like, I still haven't really had like the guts to confront her about it directly. Because since I don't have proof, like, I feel like she would just deny it. Like, she's that kind of person. Of
2: course. She'll just sit there and just gaslight you again. It, it
1: never came. How could you accuse yeah. me of the something
2: fa- like oh, Why would you ever think that I would do such a thing to you? You know, I loved your mother. Your mother was just like my mother. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you think that I would steal from her son, <laughs> that you are a terrible person, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I they would say that, and I would slowly sink a knife right into her I fucking gut, and, and right. like directly into the fucking windows of her soul.
1: Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. But come to find out, years later, what had happened was, uh, they just like she was with this new guy who was her ex husband's best friend, and like his kids and and their kids, and they they were like living in a they were living in a house, um, they were like renting a home out east somewhere in the Indian Empire. And just like blew through the money and then ended up losing the house somehow. I don't know the, the fine details. But yeah, they just spent it all. Drugs. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. She didn't go into detail, you know. And it's like, I think she knew that the thing she was talking about was around the same timeline. So when she was talking about it with me, she like skimmed over a lot of shit. And the thing about my cousin is growing up with her, she's like, can be one of the most charismatic, like bubbly funny people ever. Amazing cook. She cooked every single holiday dinner that we ever had when we lived together. Um, I thought she was dope. She was my favorite in the world. But then as we got older and I got older, she just started treating me real different. And it got to a point where I mean, the, the only thing I could describe it as is bipolar. To where like mm. she'd be cool and say so my job when we lived together in Monrovia was to my chore was to clean the kitchen after breakfast and after dinner every day. That was my chore, the whole kitchen. And there was like a speck left on the stovetop. I know this sounds ridiculous, but legit, there was like a speck. And she was like, you didn't clean the oven. And I was like, I did clean the oven. She's like, no, you didn't. Look at this. And I was like, oh, well, I, I missed a spot, but I cleaned the oven. Like it's clean. There's just a spot. No, that means you didn't clean it. No, but I, I did. I just missed that spot. And she grabs a dish, shatters it. Boom. Do you really want to go back and forth with me right now? And I was like, okay, I'll clean the spot. <laughs> so, it, it, and that was, she was never like that when I was a kid. She was never like that. Ever, ever, ever. wonder what happened to her. In her life, I don't know. Like, I don't. I There's don't something, know. something
2: happened to her fucked up for her to be like that. She's like night and day. She'll just flip a switch. Who the fuck did? I mean, that's so, this is like the crazy thing too, man. It's so hard to balance that fine line between like empathy and then now you're just fucking with me. Yeah. You're right? Because sometimes people get, get this a little confused. They go, oh, you don't give a fuck about this person. You should be a little more empathetic. Empathy only goes uh, to a certain fucking extent to the totally. point where you can't keep taking from me.
1: Yeah,
2: I can be empathetic. I can understand what you're going through, but I can make choices to not be a part of your life. It doesn't mean that I'm the fucking asshole now. It yeah. means that I know my boundaries. Totally. I understand my boundaries and you have crossed that boundary too many fucking times. I understand you're going through shit, but you don't get to drag somebody down just because you're going through your own personal shit. Not and that's that. that hard part because I want to be empathetic. I want to be a loving and kind human being, especially when people are going through shit. Yeah. But then, at, but it can't be to my own detriment though. Right.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah And
2: that's the hard part because like I, I hear this story. I'm like, oh, she was so sweet. And then something happened to her. I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. And you could try to help that person, but they could only be helped to the point where they want to be helped. Yeah. After that, you just got to make your own choice to set that boundary and balance. Totally. totally. That, that's fucking crazy to me. It's wild, man.
1: This girl took your money <laughs> yeah. after your mom died. Yeah. This is money that you needed. Yeah. Oh, like, that would have made things- it was $10,000. Yeah. It was 10000 That would have made, I would have made everything different. Yeah. Everything. Right? Yeah. Food? <laughs> yeah. Clothes? I would have been cool. Yeah. You know? I probably would have spent it all. I was 20 years old. I didn't know shit about money, but like it would have been something until I got a job, you know? Yeah. So, I, yeah, who knows what I would have done different, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's- Do you still keep in contact with her now? Mostly just because of her kids. Um, so, I grew up, her, her two oldest children- um, we're like my little brother and sister and I love them to death. And um, I really, I really should make time to see them more. Um, and then she had three more kids after them, after them, she had one more son and then twin girls. Holy shit. Yeah. She had five kids. Yeah. She has five kids. And
2: how, how, how does, how does um your cousins like deal with this? Like they just, do they know
1: about this. Yeah. Oh, what well, the money thing. I don't know. I don't think they do know, mm. but um, it's their parents, you know? And like,
2: of course, you know, like that's
1: hard. Yeah. And s- yeah. so it's just, I, I've never tried to like bring it up with them. I don't want to make my stuff, their stuff, but from what I see from them, they like, they feel bad for them. You know, they feel bad for their parents because their parents are both still not in a good way. You know, they're, they're still kind of trapped in the same shit that they were trapped in.
2: It's like, how do you break this cycle too? You know, cause now that you're, you know, um, they have to kind of deal with this and unpack the parents that they have. Yeah. Dude. Like, how do they break that cycle?
1: And they're two, they, they, and they obviously both handle it super different. My my cousin, uh, my cousin Ashley, she joined the army, was in Korea for like two years. She was in Germany for two years. She now has like a, she you know, she has a, a house with a, like a boyfriend and like, they're like doing good out in the, out in the Inland Empire. And then from what I hear, my cousin Richard, he's just like, kind of just in his room all day, like just depressed. He just goes to work, comes home. Um, I guess
2: I'm saying like this cycle is fucking endless. Yeah, man. It's it's just like, how do you unpack this shit for people? Like, how do you save these people? Yeah. Because it's just, it's generational trauma. It just happens over and over and over, and then you can only hope that you're a little bit better than the person that you were before. Yeah. And then you are you're right. You know, when you look at this situation now, I can see why you you could say to yourself how fortunate you are that you had your mother for the time that she did. Yeah. Because she she instilled all these great qualities that you still carry on today, despite all your circumstances. Yeah. And that's the hard thing to tell people, right? It's like, listen, you can't always be a victim of your circumstance. Right? It's it's really hard to say because it sounds like I'm being dismissive because sure. we've all gone through a lot. Shit, I didn't go through shit you went through. <laughs> Motherfucker, <laughs> Motherf- I thought I went through some shit. <laughs> Let me tell you something, dude. Whenever I feel sad, I'm just going to listen to this podcast. and be yeah. like, Hey, you know what? Not so bad, dude. Not so fucking bad. Right. <laughs> you know? I hear you. Because I, mm-hmm. I had conversations with my cousins too about, you know their parents and kind of they um kind of some fucked up shit that they did yeah. and they never understood why like I can't why doesn't your dad and my mom get along and they just never knew like the fine details of things mm. but because I was so hyper involved in everything um I knew everything and then you know as we got older there wasn't any resentment but I just told them I was like this is the reason why your dad stole money like your so my my grandpa was living with us at the time mm-hmm. and um just like this, like personal drama, of just like kind of mishandling money and shit. Basically, you know, he was lightweight taking uh, my grandfather's social security checks oh, that shit. we were supposed to use for him to buy him food, clothes, whatever, while Whoa. he was living with us. It's not it, it's not a lot of money, but we didn't have a lot of money. right? So that could have really helped him out. So we were just kind of waiting around. And, you know, my dad doesn't really speak English that well. And neither my mom is speaking English at all. Mm-hmm. So I had to call in to the office to see what's going on. It's like, no, we've been sending you guys checks it's like for how how long it was like years but it was it was to their address and they were checking they were cashing that check in and that was my dad's last straw he was like fuck this you know what I mean like I, it's, it's not like it's an absorbent amount of money where it's gonna help us get a leg up it was you literally taking money from your own parents fucking mouth
1: crazy and
2: it was just so money food from your parents mouth it was like so disheartening right and then I I got to say my piece finally it was um when my grandmother passed away and she took care of me really well because my parents were working so much during the times that they were working, my grandparents watched this. And my grandma fucking hated my guts, by the way, but I still loved her. <laughs> she she fucking used to beat the living shit out of me, Holy which is like shit. another story. She, she beat me so bad to the point where my dad didn't let my grandma see me for a few months because she hit me so hard with this like stick in my face and it barely missed my eye. And so I had this like welt and scar across my forehead my cheek and it just barely missed my eye
1: whoa and so my dad was like you're done you're not seeing you're not
2: seeing your grandchildren anymore that's where the
1: head movement comes from (laughs) yeah it started early. It started early. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. I like, David's a natural. He's yeah. no. yeah. got yeah. my ass beat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's like, what was your first martial arts? It was fucking like ass whooping Kundo. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I had to dodge shit like crazy. Right. But then that was like my aunt's mom. And um, my my grandmother had an aneurysm and then she also, which caused like a, a stroke, which led to like severe uh, Alzheimer's. And so uh, she was left in a home at the time and she was, I felt bad because her memory would come in and out. And I remember I had to go and check her, check on her at the nurse home during the daytime because my parents were working. Yeah. So I checked on her every day. And then I remember just hearing stories where like the nurses were telling me, it's like, oh yeah, your, your grandma, her sense kind of came back a little bit, but you know, I, I wish you guys were here because we couldn't calm her down because she woke up and she she got her memories back for an instant, but she didn't know where she was. So she was crying. Whoa. She was like, where am I? Where am I? I what, this is not my home.
1: Whoa. And then
2: her memory would disappear and then she would be kind of like in a vegetative state again. Oh. And I had to deal with this shit for like three or four years. Like I had to see her like Ooh. that. And then my uh, aunt, I remember she came in and so my grandma passed away.
1: Mm-hmm. She
2: She was at this point like Intubated, so she had like um, she couldn't eat, so they had to put a tube into her stomach to just to get food in there. And so, my dad can't, there's no plug to pull at this point,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know. So, there was a point where she was just brain dead, and then we had to pull the plug. And then I remember my aunt came, and this is like I was watching her being wheeled away, and then I was like dealing with this. And then my aunt, she was hysterical, by Mm -hmm. the way. During the time that she was at this hospital, that this uh, nursing home, she never visited her once. That's her mom. Whoa. And so she was like looking at me. And she goes, you should have taken care of her better, bro. Uh, don't. Boom. Yo. I, this is like they're being wheeled away. And I fucking started ripping into her right as the paramedics were carrying. And they were like, my mom, my dad, my mom was telling me to calm down. I was like, no, 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 no. And I'm like cursing her out in Korean. That's fucking I was crazy. like, you didn't see your own mother once. I was like, and now you're looking at her when she's dead. It's too late. It's too late. She's dead. Right. She's fucking dead and you were a piece of shit like you wow. did not this is your mother. And then for her later on, like after I said my shit, she was crying. I was crying. I was pissed. Yeah. And then I just kind of like looked at her and she just she didn't really apologize to me. She just kind of said like I just couldn't see my mom in that state. And I was like that's okay. You don't ever tell me that it's my fault. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. watch what you fucking say to me. That's fucking wild, <laughs> you know? dude. So, you know, like those, those type of things. It's like, dude, sometimes like the people that can hurt you the most is your family. Totally. It's like, it's crazy because they have that 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 knife that's so close to your heart. Like when they do something bad, it hurts 10 times more than when somebody else does it. Hell yeah. So it's like when I hear your shit of like just this, this person who took that money from you that your mom by the way, worked really fucking hard for. Yeah. It's like, dude, it's not just money. Like that's something that my mom left for me. Yep. In case some shit happened and it happened.
1: Yep. What the fuck? Yeah. While well, you're over here married to a man who has a job. Yeah. Like you didn't need it. <laughs> How so- he dealt with it was terrible, but you had money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you had somebody. Like I, you know, and it's like not to not to diminish what the the beautiful thing, like my friends, families did. I was helped by a lot of people and I was super lucky for that, but that I wasn't their obligation. Yeah. They, that was like literally that was pure. I survived on good graces throughout the entirety of my twenties. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because at the end of the day, like I'm a grown ass man. And if they don't want me living in their house, I don't need to be living in their house. Right. They could have that. No one would blame them for that perspective. So it's like for me to be in that position when you're like married in a house and a food, a fridge full of food. And you're like, come up. Yes. Yeah. And the, the thing that, the thing that made it really like fucked up was that like, it was just a continuation of how she had been with my mom the entire time. She like preyed on my mom's kindness. What I was telling you how we were living in the motel and she would always just come by with some sob story.
2: As you're living in a fucking motel.
1: Motel. You came from a house. You came from your your in-laws house to come to our motel to ask for money, to get money from my mom. And she would give it every time. Fuck man. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying it dude. was just like a continuation of the, she was like, Oh, I the, did it
2: to, to Brian's mom. And I'm gonna do it to Brian now too. hundred percent. Which is so fucked
1: up. Which is why I keep way away from her, way away from her. And even now, you know, she'll reach out to me and it's like nothing but like sweet, loving, kind things. Like,
2: what do you want though?
1: I can't not shake that feeling. You know what I'm saying? Like when she saw the 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 killer queen boxing stuff and the coaching thing, "Oh, that's amazing. That's so great." Haven't talked in years. That's incredible. You know you're doing your thing. You're, that's so great. That's amazing. Like you see you I mean, you think I have money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think I have money. Yeah. Um and you see an opportunity, you know, because now she's just living off of her kids. Her kids are taking care of her.
2: That's what I'm saying. And that's the thing too that that's why I dislike it when people come out the woodwork and they go, "I'm proud of you." Proud of what? Yeah. You were not a part of this process. Yeah. You were not a part of the struggle. You were not a part of anything but misery. Yeah. So the fact that you come here and you say, you're proud of me, proud of what? Tell me what the fuck you're proud of.
1: Right. What are you proud of? Right. You're proud
2: that what? Now that I am successful uh, through all these trials and tribulations that you want to take from me? I don't think so. You're not proud of shit. You're trying to prey on me. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference. And a lot of people might think that that's very negative, but I've yet to be proven otherwise. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And they, even some people too, they hide some of their pride by like saying they're proud of you with
1: resentment. They go, why are you doing well? Yeah, Why man. am I not doing well? Yeah, 100%. And it's 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 like, it's that and then it's also like, you just feel fucking guilty is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like you just feel like shit because it's like all that taking you did and then where did it leave you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're in, a, a, the, the, the quality of your position is on the merit of your children.
2: That's why like for me, People know too that when they ask me for money, there's a stipulation involved, right? And I learned this from my dad. He goes, you don't ever let people borrow money. He goes, you can give it, but don't let people borrow. I was like, the reason why is because the moment it leaves your hands, it's not yours. Mm -hmm. So it strains relationships, it strains everything. Yeah. So if you give it to them, give it because you know you have excess and if you lost this money, you'll still be okay. Yes. And so I'll do it. I always tell people, look, I'll, I'll give you this money. I was like, but here's the thing. Um... I'll never ask you for it, but it's on your merit to give it back to me. Yeah. I'll never think about it, but just know that when you take, that this is a part of our relationship now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to trust you to eventually give this back. Mm-hmm. I was like, and I don't care how much, I was like, you can give me five bucks a month
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I'll still take it. Mm-hmm. But if you just take it and then you just never bring it up and don't talk about it, I'm not going to forget that. Yeah. 100%. Right. I'll never ask for it because it's gone, yeah. but now it's going to be on your merit to make this right. Yeah. So, like, recently somebody just borrowed uh, money from me and I was mm-hmm. like, this is yours. Pay me back whatever amount you want per month. A dollar, 50 fucking cents. I don't give a fuck what it yeah. is. But I just need to know that you respect me enough that you'll return this back to me.
1: A hundred percent.
2: And those are the type of people I want around me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I I dislike it when people do that because it's it it's not a, so much a test of our friendship, but it's a testimony to what who we are to each other. Yeah, man. You know?
1: Well, yeah, because I just, I feel like, the person asking needs to take that shit into consideration too, mm-hmm. right? Like why? what brought you to this point where you need to ask another a peer for money? Yeah. When like, we're all out here grinding, we're all out here doing what we need to do to get money. How did you get to this point where we're at to some degree on the same level, at least as adults functioning in the world that you need to ask me for money. I'm not an institution. Yeah. I'm not a bank. It's not like I'm sitting on $5 million of investment money, right? I'm mm-hmm. not a, burger or whatever mm-hmm. so it's like where do you how did like how did you get there and then are you on the up and up was this just a random occurrence like what how did you get to that position because that's in my head like i why i feel like i could never ask another uh, peer for money is because it's like well what it, i think the 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 cure is for me to fix my situation to the point where i even thought about Let me ask you for some money, real quick, man. Let Mm. me, me, you know, what I'm saying, like, because how did I get here?
2: That's, you know, I'll keep saying this every podcast. Even if somebody gets sick of it, it's personal responsibility. I'm telling you, that shit is liberating. Like when you, when you, when you're able to look at your situation and say, "Listen, what could I have done?" And that means you've exhausted your options. Then yeah, come. Yeah. But a lot of people don't exhaust those options. No. A lot of people too, and have a lot of pride and ego. They think they're above a job.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's like, oh, I did this job. And I was making this money and now I'm not. I can't go work this job. Listen, you are fucking broke. You yeah. are not above shit. Yeah. Right? Because I get asked that all the time. They go, whoa, well, what if all this stuff disappears? Motherfucker, there's Uber. <laughs> there is DoorDash. There's a hustle. There's um, I'll go apply at a fast food restaurant. I'll go apply fucking anywhere. Yeah. You think I'm above a fucking job? I grew up dirt fucking poor. Mm-hmm. The mo- most important thing to me is that I have even have backup plans. Even though I know that I make pretty good money, I have backups on backups. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm like, okay, well, if this doesn't fucking work out, let's say hopefully, like I even think about shit. Like, I thought about this the other night. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, let's say all my shit, all my investments go to shit. Then I got to lose this place. I'll go move into like a studio. We'll Mm -hmm. talk to, I mean, well, she makes good money. This is in case she's not here either. She leaves (laughs) me. I go, I'll move into a studio. If not, I'll live out of my fucking car. I'll fucking work a job here until I can save enough money. Get a studio, get a room, live out of there and rebuild back up. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is no pride. I don't have pride because in order for me to say pr- that I'm too proud to work a job, it means that I'm, I believe that I'm above somebody else who works this position yep. and I'm never in that position. Yep. I remember when my parents first opened up their store, we couldn't even afford the fucking shelves to put the products on it. Wow. It was hard. My mom still had to work uh, cleaning hotels and motels. My dad still had to work a part-time job as a mechanic while we still had that store Woo. while he was still going through seminary school. Oh, so my it, gosh. it's like none of us are above a job. We just have to make sure that we survive and eat. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. And so a lot of the times, you know, I had had a friend who was consistently, and mind you, like this person, I I lent them money or I gave them money because I knew how hard they were working until it got to a point where I had had a long conversation with this guy. And I was like, hey, I'm going to give you this money, but it's going to come with a lecture. Do you want this? He goes, yeah. I was like, you... I'm okay giving this to you and most of the times when I gave you money it's because it was poor circumstance. I was like now you're not in a situation where this is. I was like there are so many things that you could do to make money you choose not to do it. Mm-hmm. I was like because you think that you're above a job. Mm-hmm. I was like I want you to think about this. You would rather take money from someone like me who's working his ass off just to scrape by and you won't do the same. Yeah. But you would rather take it from my pocket.
1: Yeah. Oof. You that's know that's heavy.
2: <laughs> right? That's I was heavy. Like, how do you think that makes me feel? Yeah, I'm I'm doing shit that I don't want to do just so I could keep these fucking lights on I'm saving up mm-hmm. and then all this money that I saved up grinding doing shit I don't want to do yeah. I now have to give it to you because you want a live a life where you get to do everything that you want That's a dope perspective <laughs> you, know? you you put that perfectly you Like put how that perfectly unfair is that to someone who i'm your friend? Yeah, you know, how do you think that makes me feel? Yeah, I was like, he was like oh, I don't want to take. I said like, no you take this fucking money because you already asked mm-hmm. But this is the last time i'm gonna give you money. Yeah and then after that, guess what? He started working. Figured it out. He figured it out. Yeah, And he paid me back. Yeah, I didn't have to ask for ask for it. That's amazing. I was like, here you go.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and it was, it made me appreciate this person a lot more too. Yeah. I'm like, cool. They just somebody, needed to hear it. They just needed to hear it. Yeah. You know, and it was great because it made me appreciate them more. It, 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 it strengthened our bond and I created a boundary.
1: Yeah. That's dope. You know, that's super. I like that perspective you gave where it's like, cause it's, that's the thing, right? Is like from the outside, all people see is the success you're having, right? And it's like they don't even take into account the shit you did to get there or where you even came from. Yeah. Right? Just just you saying like, I used to be poor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That right there tells you I worked for this. Yeah. I'm not a lottery winner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I made decisions. I made specific decisions to put me in the position I am now. Like based on my work ethic, so it's like I'm no different than you. And if anything, that should be inspiring. Yeah, right. It should be like, oh shit!
2: It's like I really wish I would have like documented more of the shit when I first came here. Like I I don't remember the exact number, but I always say a random number every time I tell the story. But mm-hmm. it was like I think I know I didn't have any more than like a hundred bucks in my bank account when I came to L.A. Crazy. It was it was pretty fucking rough, man. That's and I just and then my my parents, you know, when I came here, I think they gave me like a few bucks here and there. Sure, but I was so prideful I couldn't ask them for money. Yeah. So instead, I just ate the same shit every day. Mm-hmm. And I just grinded. And then, and then YouTube started doing monetization. And mm-hmm. then I got my first check was like 500 bucks. Wow. And I covered my rent. My rent was 400. Wow! And then that other $100, I had to make it last a whole month to eat. And I'm sure your appreciation for that $100 was let me tell you something Ooh. i love that shit dude <laughs> yeah. you have no idea how many different ways i can eat top ramen yeah yeah like and i enjoy yes, it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yes. yeah i was yeah. like
2: i could whip up a mean top ramen Ooh, you know yes sir and that come up is very important for me because i always have to be reminded too it's like sometimes when i don't want to do things it's like dog you had a hundred bucks in your bank account even if that mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm. Like I had a crooked box spring bed and I got this <laughs> this Walmart used desk that was on um, display mm-hmm. and I had to disassemble it and bring it to the house. And I had it, so I lived across from an office depot, mm-hmm. not Walmart, I'm sorry, office depot. And I had to just bring that over and I built it. And I just had this box spring bed, that desk, my computer and my camera. And that's all I did. I stayed in that room until it worked. Wow. You know, that's every crazy. day until it worked, until I started getting revenue. Yeah. And I remember I was doing college shows and it was like a hundred bucks for a show and I took it Mm -hmm. and I was like, just, I'll take anything. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah. And those are the things that helps me kind of like put into perspective, like be very grateful for what you have. And on top of that, not only be grateful, continue to work hard because at any given moment, this can be taken away. Totally. You don't know. Yeah. You never fucking know.
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's a really, that's a really strong perspective you have on that. Um, because I think one, just the concept, and this is something I like, I sort of ran into switching from like having a, a typical nine to five job to kind of crash coursing into being a full time coach. And then now kind of like playing both ends where like I'm coaching, but now I'm back in a job to where it's like most folks, like just the, 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 the the idea you have about how the world works is around like you get a job, you make money and none of the risk that comes along with like creating a business or having a business to have income to pay people ever enters your mind. You're just like, I do a task, I get paid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The thing is, is like, no, but when you're working for you, you do a lot of shit you do for everything, free. <laughs> Yeah. Everything. And you're getting paid for like 10% of it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And you don't factor in like, The gas, driving to whatever your job is, driving to your clients, the time, people canceling, people hitting you up last minute and you being like, well, I need the money. Fuck. Let me get over here real quick. Like there's just so there's so much to um, understanding that side of it that especially I think especially if someone's coming to you for money, recognizing that it's not like you you, because you didn't even do it in a traditional way. Right. It's not like you just landed a dope job because your parents had a company Mm -hmm. or even that you. Even even that you went to school and like landed a dope position, right? That pays you a bunch. Like every single thing you have, you earned it through the effort of your passion for what it is you do.
2: Yeah. And I had to reinvest the money and put it back into things. Like people don't understand. They go, Oh, you got this podcast, you're making good money. Bitch, you know how much these fucking cameras cost? Right. Right. You know how much these fucking mics cost? Yeah, man. Like that first the the biggest risk of this podcast was that I I didn't have guaranteed ads. Right. Like I had to take a risk and yeah. you know, podcasts weren't as popular as it was when I first started this shit. Right. Right. So it was like, I had to take a, make a fucking risk. And mm-hmm. it was like for the first few months, I didn't make shit. I didn't make anything at all. Crazy. You know, and then YouTube cracked down. I was making $0 off of YouTube. So I was at nothing on my income. Wow. And then I took a risk and it, it, it worked out really well. Yeah. So it's like, there's just a lot of stuff to that, that, you know, nobody wants to see how something is made. They just mm-hmm. want to see the end product. Yep. And um, it's a struggle. Like it's always like, listen, Listen, if I was balling out of my mind, I wouldn't be renting a house. Right. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean, I would have bought a house by now. I'm yeah. not balling. You know, yeah. I like balancing my life with work and pleasure. Yeah. Like if I was all work, I guarantee you, I could make a lot more money, but I wouldn't be very happy. Yeah. So I'm, I have to figure out what's important to me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Well guys, that wraps up this episode of the genius brain podcast. I hope you were inspired by that story or maybe depressed. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully a little bit of both, but you know, um, Brian's my current boxing coach right now. We've been we've been doing a lot of great work. If you guys want to hit up Brian for, for boxing, like I'm telling you, this man's a fucking wizard. Been helping <laughs> my you. game and I've been cracking people lately. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. You could tell them where they can find you.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm on my main way of reaching me is on Instagram at Brian Perry Boxing Coach. Um and that's that's pretty much it. Just hit me up on Instagram, shoot me a DM.
2: Shoot him a DM, get that coaching in. He's a great coach, very patient, very good. Um and then uh Genius Brains every Genius Brains. Genius Brain every Sunday at 12 p.m. uh and we'll see you all next time. Peace.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find